everyone. Welcome to this podcast episode in the Changemakers series uh, from the ITAM Forum. My name is AJ Witt from the ITAM Review. And I'm Jennifer Carr from the ITAM Forum. And we're joined today by Eric Schumann. Uh, Eric Schumann is from CASC. Uh, he has spent over 30 years in a variety of IT roles with many of them in IT asset management. Hello, Eric. Uh, good, good morning. How is everybody doing today? Uh, doing well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh, we're actually recording this uh, on a public holiday in the States. So thank you, Eric, for taking some time out of your holiday to uh, to do this with us. Oh, um, no worries, no worries. So uh, I, I mentioned you've, um, you've, you've had over 30 years in IT. Um, how, what was your journey? How did you get to um, come into, into IT asset management? Well, I was, uh, I'm, I'm glad you said, uh, you know, long career, not long, long, long career, because, <laughs> uh, you know, 30, 30 plus years in IT, I'm kind of dating myself a little bit. But, you know, I really, I look back and it was more of just a natural progression of, you know, the reason I'm here today. Um, you know, I, uh, I didn't really grow up with, uh, you know, within IT. I grew up in rural West Virginia. Um, and I had three choices coming out of high school. It was, uh, it was coal mines, uh, college or military. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I had one computer class, you know, growing up, uh, in high school there. And, you know, there was, uh, uh, never a desire for me to become an asset manager at that time. I don't even think it was a career, uh, but was fortunate enough throughout my career to be put in a couple very, you know, um, various positions, you know, from IT to management and a lot of different roles. You know, I started out as a main, mainframe operator, uh, gradually worked into uh, Unix administration. There was this little thing in uh, uh, 99, 2000 called Y2K. So a lot of us with the, uh, with the Unix experience did a lot of testing on different applications and servers to make sure we could pass that, uh, that point in time. Uh, and then after that, I was, you know, put into a lot of different, um, uh, a lot of different roles leading enterprise types of, um, projects, you know, whether it was from a storage area network, uh, backup and recovery, enterprise scheduling, event management. And I got to work with just a lot of talented individuals in a lot of these different areas that took the time to teach me, uh, you know, how they maintained and how they managed their particular environments, whether it's, you know, the networking team and the database team. And so it gave me a lot of insight into the day-to-day -day operations of what they do. Um, you know, I ultimately got into enterprise architecture um, and then uh, took a couple of management jobs right around 2007-ish, got to manage a, you know, a middleware web team, um, managed our uh, um, imaging services team, and then ultimately landed on the asset management team where it was kind of just a, you know, a conglomeration of all the things that I learned and then then moving into reading contracts and licensing. And so it just kind of lent itself, you know, very nicely together. It's a very broad experience there. And I, I, you kind of look at it and think, we kind of see people coming into asset management from, from different directions. And I think actually you and I are pretty, pretty similar in some ways. Um, both started off as proper hands-on techies. Um, and it is getting that breadth of experience across the organization. And then what you see are, I would, would you agree is what you see is that IT asset management goes across everything. So it really helps if you understand what those stakeholders are, are need from you and, 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 and what they need from asset management. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, most importantly, it, um, you know, the stakeholders, you can sit down and have a conversation with them, right? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're going at them at an asset manager and saying you're out of compliance or you're not doing your job right, you know, that doesn't really come across real, real <laughs> good with them, right? But if you can sit down and say, hey, you know, it's been a few years, but I remember when we used to do it this way, is it still, does it still happen that way? And you know, are you still having to manage it in, in this manner? And, and so when you can have a conver- and show a little, have a conversation and show a little empathy with what they're having to deal with, to me, it just goes a long way in, in ultimately getting them to buy in to help you, you know, more effectively manage the hardware and software within, a, within an environment. I wanted to touch on a little bit more about enterprise architecture because we uh, at the Time Review bang on about enterprise architects as being a key new stakeholder in some ways. Um, you know, I, architecture in, IT, in, in the IT context has been around a long time. Enterprise architects, is it a label? Is it actually a role? That sort of thing. Wondering, mm-hmm. could you kind of explain what they do and what the kind of things, what kind of things they need from IT asset managers? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it varies from, you know, organization to organization. I can share with you that, you know, where I was at, at at the bank, enterprise architecture was was a couple of different things, right? You know, it was, you were, you were part-time software approver or hardware approver. You were, um, you know, you were also just looking at the environment itself of, you know, are you, are you, you know, by uh, installing this application or placing this application in a certain location within your, within your network, are you, you causing, you know, any uh, vulnerability issues or, you know, any type of, um, you know, hacking opportunities, right? Uh, But probably the thing that resonated the most with me about enterprise architecture and what really kind of uh, got into asset management is, is really looking more from an application portfolio management perspective of all the different products that you're using or that people want to use in an environment and the overlapping of capabilities within the environment. Um, and that's where I feel that, you know, enterprise architecture and asset management kind of go hand in hand along with, you know, your information security teams mm-hmm. of being able to monitor what's, what all is all out there and how, how is it being used and are there are there opportunities to maybe reduce applications or products, you know, that have a lot of overlap? Uh, and that to me is where, you know, I saw most of my enterprise asset management um, uh, and enterprise architecture uh, skills kind of coming together. But one of the best compliments that I ever got was from a business unit of being able to straddle over between IT and the business. And I feel like that's truly what we're doing in asset management as well, right? It's not just about widget counting, right? It's it's how do we position the company to do the most with its resources and how do we make it easier for, for our employees to get the, to those resources? And so it's putting that business side, I think is probably, I would say the biggest, the biggest uh, cohesion point between enterprise management and asset management. You work mostly um, in, for sort of in-house end user organizations. So you're now working for a service provider. I'm wondering, um, how, how was that transition? And probably you ought to just uh, introduce Cask um, a little bit as well uh, when you do that. I've been at Cask for a little over uh, 18 months now. Um, prior to that, I worked for, uh, well, I've been in consulting for right around three years. Um, I was a client for 29, 30 years. 
I lead up the ITAM practice at, at CASC and we've got uh, 10 people now. Half of us are functionals that have actually done asset management work like myself. Uh, some have worked for managed services providers. And then the other half of the team uh, is our technical side. Um, you know, because regardless of, you know, what platform that you're using, there's always a functional and a technical side. And why not have both of those team, both of those areas on the same team? So you're speaking the same language. But probably the, you know, the, the thing that's been the, the most challenging for me of moving from a client to the uh, consultative role is, you know, is just making sure that you're always, you're always being honest, right, with those clients. I mean, I'm sure that we've, We've, we've run across partners and consultants in the past that, that give you the yes answer of, yes, it could be done. Um, you know, sometimes it can't. And, you know, sometimes there's, you have to look at different options because I don't care what, what tool or what platform you're using, there's, there's not a perfect one out there and they all have to be tweaked a little bit. And so I look back at a lot of the people that I had worked with as a client and usually the consultants that I thought the, the high, had the highest regard for were those that weren't afraid to tell me they didn't know, um, you know, but then they could always, you know, they would always follow up and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to figure it out. Cause I think a lot of the clients, you know, me included, you know, think that these, these consultants, uh, you know, working for these companies have all the answers right at their fingertips and, and in reality, they may be just two or three steps ahead of you. What are sort of some of the routine challenges that your clients are facing now? And maybe how have they changed over the years? You know, probably the biggest thing that I see is um, expecting perfection, you know, within a short amount of time. Um, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, we've all heard, we've all heard the sales pitches of, oh, if you just buy this, you can do it with half of an FTE and, you know, it's going to do all the reconciliation and everything for you. And, uh, we all know true asset managers know that that's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these tools and platforms are developed in kind of, you know, a perfect scenario, right? You've got the most current version of the product installed. You've got the, uh, the engine, the normalization, reconciliation, whatever your whatever tool of choice you're using to reconcile the the what you've purchased with the what you're discovering, um, you know, and it's in a it's a perfect scenario. They're not really accounting for the you know the clients that have had 30, 40, 50 years worth of technical debt out there that they're trying to make heads or tails of. Um, so I think that you know probably the biggest thing is just expecting that perfection right off the bat. You know, with that is just making sure that you're aligning the right resources. Um, you know, it's uh, far too often do we go into, you know, we go into a client and we're like, okay, where's your hardware asset manager? Where's your software asset manager? Well, we don't officially have anybody. We've got a person that we're going to teach how to do this. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's not, you're not going to be very successful immediately. So don't expect this thing to be turned around within the next three to six months if that's what you're you know, what you're looking at. I'll also say um, uh, siloed mentality, right? Of, um, you know, people, it takes, it takes the entire organization, um, you know, to really stand up an effective asset management program. Um, if you're expecting your asset managers to, you know, to continually stay on top of um, you know, why, why haven't we discovered this server in a certain amount of time or, you know, same thing for an EUC device, you know, we haven't seen it in a while. 
when you don't have your entire organization bought into trying to manage your overall inventory, um, you know, effectively, it's just not going to work. You know, if you've got multiple tools that you're trying to do it with each, you know, each area has their own little bias set of tools that they're, that they're operating with. Um, you know, it's just, they're just not going to be effective. Um, and then, you know, last but not least, it's just processes, you know, is making sure that everybody's following the same set of processes to, you know, and, and the common goals of, you know, a good asset management program. Eric, I'm really interested to know what some of the things are that you see routinely uh, with clients that you just think you really need to shift gears. You really need to stop doing X and start mm -hmm. doing Y. So can you, can you share some of that? Well, first, first and foremost, I'm going to, I'm going to always side on the, on the side of the asset manager, right? Cause that's after all, that's what we do. Um, kind of going back to the previous question there, um, you know, as well as some of the routine challenges, it's the executive sponsorship that I don't see in a lot of organizations. Um, you know, there's, uh, I can tell you horror story after horror story after horror story of where asset management, you know, that maybe six or seven levels buried deep in an organization are trying to make a go of it. And they just don't have the executive sponsorship to, um, you know, to, to get it rolling. You know, it, again, it requires the entire organization to really have bought into this um, and, you know, to, uh, to help support each other. Um, we have a little joke here on the team on some of the some of the stuff that we've worked on. We have the mind the mind mentality, the mind mind mind, right? Um, a lot of organizations we get into, and for right or wrong, right? I can give you a, just a litany of different reasons of why they they take on this approach. But you've got a lot of pockets or a lot of areas within an organization that continue to to buy their own hardware and buy their own software and are not willing to relinquish it to, you know, a centralized, you know, centralized asset management team or procurement team. Um, you know, that is just such a huge waste of corporate dollars when you're doing that type of stuff, because you can't get the volume discounts. Uh, you can't really get a true understanding of who needs what and when. Uh, there's no opportunities there really for, you know, co-terming. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just very challenging. And, you know, really the, the, what we find the root of the, the main reason that people do that is because normally it takes so long, you know, if somebody leaves the company and they, and they, they're no longer needing that software, they don't want to give it back because they know it could take two or three months for them to order that piece of software or, or get that piece of hardware again. You know, so we like to try to, you know, say, let's try to get at least the biggest bulk of your uh, of your high utilized software in, in the hands of a centralized group. And let's manage it more at a, at a pool level versus an individual department level. Uh, and through that, right, through the manage, you know, managing that, you know, we're going to be able to do some pretty fancy things of auto deployments and harvesting and those types of things. So we can always make sure that we're we're keeping, you know, extra licenses of this around so that you can come and get it when you need it. And you don't have to wait the two or three months to, you know, uh, as you may be doing today. How have you seen things changing or do you think, what do you think the big changes are that are coming in the IT asset management space? And so I feel like that we're really probably the big change in the next couple of years is that we're coming out of, uh, we're coming out of this global pandemic. 
um, you know, where virtually every country has sent people home. You know, we've got some economic issues right now. And I think that asset managers need to be on their toes because I feel like that over the next couple of years, we're going to see we're going to see some escalated, you know, people coming in and trying to help us to make sure that we're that we're managing our software correctly. Um, other than that, you know, with uh, I always urge, you know, if it's a client or even if it's our own my own team, uh, is to make sure that you're staying current with the technology out there, right? Of uh, you know whether you know clients are moving moving from on-prem licenses to subscription licenses. There's always going to be those different models that we have to make sure that we're staying that, that we're staying on top top of, and you know a lot of that again goes back to having those conversations with those different teams and understanding you know because it's usually in the management of their particular area that we can get the most insight of how we're going to be able to collect the information that we need for asset management. How do you think ITAM? Um, can become a differentiator? From an ITAM perspective, you know, we have just such an unbelievable opportunity of if you do it right, it always means that you're going to save money, right? Now, you, I also warn people and I'll say saving money could also be risk avoidance, right? Um, you know, you may find yourselves in some situations where you have to spend a little money to make sure that you're saving money long term, because if it means that you need to do a true up, right, or if it means that you need to buy some extra, uh, you know, to make sure that you stay in compliance, right, of course, that's going to cost you a little bit more money up front, but just think of the long term effect that that could have had on you if they came, if a publisher came in and found it themselves, right, but we're one of the, the few areas that, you know, it is real, whether it's OPEX or whether it's CAPEX, right? There's the potential there for, for a good asset management program to sustain on, you know, long-term success and savings. Anytime that you're standing up an asset management program, uh, you know, within probably the first six to 12 months, you're going to see some, you're going to see some, some pretty substantial gains, right? Uh, one is you're finding a lot of the hardware that's unused out there that you can bring that back in. Uh, equally so the software, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for you to reclaim software that's not being used. But once you start getting those things in the works, right, you're going to find that your, your savings kind of declines a little bit over time. But then you can start looking at more optimization, right? You know, that's where you start looking at you know, do I really need to, um, you know, do I, should I be covering these VMs with a standard license or should I start looking at more of a data center license? Uh, it starts bleeding into that capacity planning side of the house, right? Of saying, hey, if we, if we move these workloads around a little bit, we could save a substantial amount of money and optimization, you know, optimization savings there. So it's, it's, Again, you know, it kind of goes back to that business value of asset managers. It's not just about counting widgets. It's about looking at the bigger picture and, you know, from a business process sense or a business sense uh, of looking at overall cost of an organization on how, you know, how you place those different things around. I, I really like that approach that that's sort of the fact that we are looking outwards now from, we're not, we're not focused on our own processes and kind of worrying about the detail quite so much it is about the business and it is about your colleagues your employees your 
co-workers, whatever you want to call them. It's, it, it, no, it's about them getting the assets they need to do their job and, and doing it in such a way that's cost effective and, and really helps the company um, deliver value. So that I, yeah, very strong sort of modern ITAM message there. I think, um, I think it's where we all need to be heading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you're, yeah. if you're not, then you're just, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to justify, you know, it, it's hard to justify in a lot of organizations. And, and, you know, that's one thing that, you know, that I, I caution people, you know, as they're standing up their, up their practices is account for everything, right? Whether it's a reclamation, whether it's some optimization, you know, make sure that you're accounting for this because we come, you know, organizations become complacent over time and they, they, they forget, right? They easily forget how bad it was before and as you stand up your program and you start becoming more efficient, then it, they kind of re, they can revert back and say, OK, well, you're not saving as much anymore. Why is that? Right. And so you want to make sure that, you know, you're that you're, you can articulate that in the overall savings to the organization moving forward and some of the different things that you're moving into. Maybe you're branching out, you know, for me, you know. I'm always, my next step after asset management immediately is application portfolio management, right? Because once you start having a handle on everything that's that's inside of your organization, then you can start looking at those opportunities and saying, holy cow, you know, we've got five different tools that are all performing the same function here. Why are we doing that, right? And so those are the types of things that I feel like that, you know, and it's not just about the cost of the software. It's it's about the teams that are having to manage those five different things. And that you know, when you look at if you've got um, applications that reside on a server to support that, you've got applications that reside on a desktop. Just think about the bloat there of managing those multiple those multiple products. Just to wrap up um, today. This might take a little while because <laughs> uh, because you, you, you're such an enthusiast for this. But um, what, what do you enjoy the most about working in Itown? What really sort of keeps you in the in in this industry? You know, I, it's going to sound cheesy and it's going to sound a little bit corny, but it's it's the people, right? Um, I think we've you know we've all been in this industry long enough to know that it's a very it's a very small group. It, it's just amazing that, you know, whenever you get on a call with somebody that's actually been doing asset management for, I would say, five plus years or longer, just the natural conversation that you can have with somebody is is really relaxing with me. Right. Um, because it's like, finally. Right. I've got somebody that we can that we can talk the same language together. And, you know, it is it is a different language. You know when you're when you're having these conversations about you know what IBM is doing, you know what Microsoft is doing. Did you just see that OpenText just bought uh, Microfocus? We're all in a world of hurt right there, right? Um, you know, so you start seeing some of this stuff, and and it just becomes a you know just a conversation. And I'll say that you know I even even though you know I'm in consulting, I'm always looking for those opportunities to. Um, you know, to mature myself and to grow more. And I always learn something, you know, it's sad to say, you know, you're learning something on the client's dime, but, but you are right. That's, that's one of the things about in consulting is that you get to visit with so many different clients and you get to see so many different problems and you get to have so many different conversations that you're always picking up new things that you can then share with the next client. 
if you can't tell by now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about asset management, love asset management, and I love working with asset managers. Um, you know, that's just something when I, like I said, when I get on a, get on a video call or, you know, a conference call with somebody that knows what they're doing, it's just kind of, now we're going to have a great conversation. Thank you, Eric. Uh, it's, it's been a great conversation. Uh, a, a prime example of what happens when you get two people talking IT asset management, I think. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, so, so, so thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you particularly for taking time on a holiday to, um, to record this with us. And um, thank you. Thank oh, you, Eric. No worries. This has been, uh, this has been very, uh, very nice to have a conversation like this. So I appreciate you inviting me.